0: That's an interesting position. It reminds me of uh, when Anthony Hopkins, Sir Anthony Hopkins, was in the movie Remains of the Day. He consulted with uh, butlers. So he was portraying a butler in this movie. And so he talked to actual real life British butlers. And said one of the greatest pieces of advice that he got from one of these real life butlers was, I want the room to be emptier with me in it and I thought that he said that was so profound that the butler wants to sort of be this presence to always be able to wait on the person that they're working for, but they wanted the room to feel emptier with them in it, so that so that they didn't they weren't obtrusive in any way, uh, yet obviously, uh, you know they, they were still providing what what their uh, their employer needed. Uh, so I always thought that was kind of interesting to think of your of a website that way. Like can you know can. <laughs> How can your how can your business life feel a bit less bit less busy because of your website, not due to it?
1: Welcome to the Soul Space podcast. Thank you for listening. Okay, so we are back together, uh, Scott Hutchison and I. Uh, second round. Uh, second half of a a podcast recording we're doing, there's probably going to be released two weeks apart. And um, Scott, you're you're an independent strategic consultant, and uh, we've been working together, talking at least once a week for almost a year now, I think. And um, we talked previously about sort of a meta conversation about what this podcast is going to be about. And I'm really wanting to create value for our type of client, and those are digital marketing leads in charge of uh, digital properties, um, at and really there's there's a vast ty- different array of types of companies that we work for, and I like it that way. It breaks the David C. Baker rule where you go into a vertical and and own that. I, I mean I I love that our team is all over the place. It's really fascinating and fun for us. So we're probably not ever going to change that, but. So those are our client types, and what I want this podcast to be about is how to serve them. So I'm, I'm trying to talk about the things that bother them and offer up solutions um, based on my 20 years experience and the experiences of whoever I'm, I happen to have on the podcast as my interviewee. Um, and what, what we're going to talk about now is something that came up just yesterday, which um, with, my, with our designer, Eric Miller, um, Eric Miller's Design, I don't want to give him a little plug there, he's doing a new soulspace.com, and he's going through user testing, he's going through a second round, and he had some comps, and he put him in front of one of our clients who's been a client for probably about five years now, one of our biggest, and she took offense to some of the things that were in the design comps, there was some stuff that really bothered her about what we had in there. And what was bothering her was this marketing message that we've been, you and I have been harping on for a number of months now, which is that the job of SoulSpace is to create this reliable and stable, dependable foundation to make these websites that these uh, directors of marketing are um, responsible for, um, answerable for, to make sure that they do their job in a way that I think is boring. I mean, they just need to go away. These websites need to not be part of the day-to-day activity of these you know, marketing directors. They have other problems, they have other things to deal with. They don't want to deal with a website that crashes or that's slow or the features are broken or whatever. So we joke around internally that our job is to create that boredom. But this one person that Eric was interviewing says, I don't think so, that's not why I hire you guys, not because you're boring. But because you're really creative and innovative and you're always bringing some fresh idea for how to make this thing better and how to how to deliver that reliability and dependability, dependability um, in more creative and interesting ways. So this is a conflict. I, I don't know how to talk about this at the marketing level. I don't know how to blog about it. I'm not sure how to get the word out that we do that really weird type of a service. So I thought maybe we could talk about that problem on this podcast and maybe get somewhere with it.
0: Yeah, I think the, the first thing is uh, about that is I think you've got great courage to open up your second half of your uh, first episode of the pod, reboot of the podcast where the subject matter uh, you want to talk about is being boring. I think that's <laughs> like, hey, what should we talk about today? How about being boring? That's that's bound to perk everyone up. Uh, but I think it's something <laughs> that you know we've certainly. We've certainly talked about it enough, and the idea that, uh, you know, we can use any number of analogies. Uh, I mean, I think about, you know, I, uh, we have a Volkswagen Golf, and it's got more features than any car we've ever had before, not because it's a particularly expensive car, it's because it's newer. And so the fact that my phone hooks up to it on Bluetooth uh, automatically, and I can take calls through it, uh, is now second nature to me. Uh, and, and all of these different features got automatic headlights that I rented a car recently uh, when I was traveling and that car did not have automatic headlights. So when it got dark, I had a bunch of people honking at me, uh, obviously it, betraying that I was a tourist because I did not turn my headlights on because I, I haven't done it uh, in a couple of years. I haven't even turned my headlights <laughs> on. You know, because my car essentially, uh, it's got all these features like a, like a great new website, but in essence... Uh, it it's good enough that it stays boring. You know, I don't I don't have to struggle with getting the, the my phone to connect to it to play my music. It just doesn't. Uh, you know, it doesn't, you know, it's a reasonably reliable car. Uh, I don't really think about it, you know, and recently we had a, a leak in the tire, and that wasn't boring. Uh, it was pretty freaking annoying, you know, to have to go fill up the tire every once in a while until we could go get it patched. Um, and it kind of, like, pointed that out to me, is that, you know, if that were... Something like you know you we've you know I'm thinking of a particular client uh, that uh, we both worked with together uh, that desperately wanted her website to return to being boring. How quickly can we get it back to being something that I no longer have to be concerned? Uh, you know, after an update isn't going to work. And how I think it's fair to say that 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 you guys aren't specifically boring, but that it, this interesting aspect of working hard and creatively and innovatively to get something with the goal of making it kind of fade into the background. Uh, And I think that's an interesting position. It reminds me of uh, when Anthony Hopkins, Sir Anthony Hopkins, was in the movie Remains of the Day. He consulted with uh, butlers. So he was portraying a butler in this movie. And so he talked to actual real-life British butlers and said one of the greatest pieces of advice that he got from one of these real life butlers was, "I want the room to be emptier with me in it." And I thought that he said that was so profound that the butler wants to sort of be this presence to always be able to wait on the person that they're working for, but they wanted the room to feel emptier with them in it, so that so that they didn't they weren't obtrusive in any way, uh, yet obviously. Uh, you know, they they were still providing what what their uh, their employer needed. Uh, so I always thought that was kind of interesting to think of your of a website that way. Like, can you know, can <laughs> how can your how can your business life feel a bit less bit less busy because of your website, not due to it?
1: Yeah, that is that's juicy. I'm gonna have to talk about that one with you for for weeks. <laughs> this idea that you you want you want the room to to, to have fewer people in it when you're, when you're in it, to feel more empty, that's, you know, we, we, we have a, a bunch of different analogies that we use when we're talking about how to, the strategy of marketing this company, and that's a good one. Um, and, that's, and that's kind of the tension that we're talking about, like how do you, I'm thinking about a client who came to us who, um, we used to do these performance evaluations when we were doing a lot of expression engine work and you can set up an Expression Engine site and you can make it really slow. You can do some dumb stuff. It's you know it's one of those powerful tools that you can do a lot with and if you go overboard then it just the pages don't load. So we were brought in to do one of our performance evaluations and it was obvious after 30 minutes that they didn't need a performance evaluation. What they really needed to do is put the whole thing behind uh, a CDN like Cloudflare or something. Mm-hmm. and. To do that, we would need to re-architect some aspects of the site with how it was put together and how pages were served and stuff, but those changes would be a lot less daunting than re-architecting some of the things that were really slowing the website down. So, offering those sorts of suggestions, and by the way, that's like a $20 a month suggestion for a lot of people. In some cases, you can use a free service that Cloudflare offers and get a lot of bang for your buck. It just means that you use it in the right way. And... By doing that, we created that state where, okay, I don't have to worry about the website every three days. It doesn't get my attention or the attention of my customer service team because the the clients are complaining about it or the customers are complaining about it. Um, now I am back to doing the other stuff that I'm supposed to be doing, like finishing off this new campaign and launching it and that kind of thing. So the the goal is to the goal is boring. I mean, I. I know I can't sell that, and it's people don't want to see that, and it's annoying based on user feedback we've gotten already. It's not just one person yesterday. It was two who said the same thing. We had this, we had this slide in there that said we want to be like the tile floor. We just want to be this foundation that you walk around on that you don't even notice anymore. And nobody liked it. They're like, no, I don't, I, don't want, I don't want to hire that. I don't want to hire a tile floor. I want you to be awesome. I want you to be creative and innovative, and I want you to surprise me but what these people are needing is that butler that you just kind of fades into the wallpaper. You don't even notice anymore. Um, so it's, it's gonna be a struggle to get there, but that's valuable for you and I to talk about, but on the, in the context of this podcast, it doesn't necessarily create value for the people listening for you and I to agonize <laughs> over how we're gonna market this thing. Right. Um, but this, this, uh, this idea that you, um, the kind of strategy that we deliver is has the goal of reliability. It, it it has the end goal of quiet, serene, peaceful, um, you know, low friction, low resistance activity, um, and it's it's challenging to get there, um, but I got the right person on the line with me, so hopefully we can get there.
0: <laughs> well, you know, it's it's the, it, like you said the tension word, and I think that's that's the right. Depiction of that—that it's—it's tension, uh, and as agencies, especially an agency that does uh, development, I think it's—it's it's easier for an agency that does visual design or or advertising copy or something like that to uh, feel more comfortable with this idea of being interesting or innovative, uh, and for a company uh, for, for a client to want to work with that because they think, well, that's kind of part of the deal. Uh, with development, unless your client really understands it. Uh, it can seem pretty obtuse to them, you know. Uh, you start talking about APIs and oh, we're going to use a RESTful API. we really this one we're going to use Angular JS for this. I mean, it's all it doesn't mean anything to them, and so that could possibly seem kind of they're not interested in it. It's boring, and I think it's that you don't want to be boring. You don't want uh, people at SoulSpace to be boring. Uh, but what you're the delivery you're selling is boring. I mean. I, I definitely want, when I like you mentioned primary care physician uh, in the first part, uh, which would have been the, the first episode, uh, you know, I want my visit to my doctor to be pretty freaking boring.
1: You know, like <laughs> yeah. If, if like, like, I'm, I'm
0: fine. <laughs> and I've got a doctor right now, and I, I think she's great. And she she's a very interesting person. You know, uh, um, she's fascinating. Uh, and, you know, if I go in for a checkup and we get done and she's like, well... Uh, looks like you're exercising enough. Uh, yeah, been feeling good. Yeah, been feeling good. She goes, well, thanks for coming in. Uh, it's, it's good to see you. Glad you're feeling good. And that's it. And you think, well, I don't need to come in. I'm like, ah, oh, that's the best doctor's visit I could have possibly had. And she's like, well, I guess you're still healthy. Later. Later.
1: There, there are times when I've, um, seen a doctor or even more recently a, a veterinarian where a really terrible, bad, catastrophic thing is happening or it's being noticed or picked up or about to be dealt with. And mm-hmm. that, and I'm, this is one of our dogs, a veterinarian who was able to guide you and navigate you through that really difficult thing that you were about to experience, um, and keep mm-hmm. that sort of quiet and serene and peaceful and, um, and boring. Um, boring in the mm-hmm. sense of, oh, this is taking all of my attention all the time, and it's super stressful, and my blood pressure is really high. Boring is the opposite of that. So we had a veterinarian mm-hmm. who, who we needed like an emergency surgery on a kind of a brand-new puppy um, based on an X-ray they saw, and this doctor kept everything really calm and they communicated expertise. And when they said really big, scary words, they slowed down and they explained things uh, in a way that wasn't um, you know, demeaning or um, you know, made us feel inferior or anything. They knew that we needed to come around to understand. But you had that sense of someone who knew exactly where to steer the boat through the canal, who was gonna avoid all the obstacles and get you to the other side safely. Um, and they were sort of promising, well, you're just going to go sit in the waiting room and wait around and three and a half hours and 15 minutes plus from now, we're going to come out and we're going to have a healthy dog and you're going to be bored most of that time. And the reason you're going to be bored is I'm a master of this. I know exactly what I'm doing and I'm going to get you where you need to be. Mm -hmm. So there is that sense. Now, when they go into the operating room, it's probably pretty creative and innovative in there. And they tell you after that, after the fact. Um, they say, well, we found a bunch more scar tissue than we thought. We found a really peculiar thing that we had never seen in a dog before. But here's what we did. We blah, blah, blah. And you're on the other end of it, um, and it's, it's a smooth ride, you know. So there, there's something in there mm-hmm. like that.
0: I wonder uh, that you mentioned that because I think, you know, one of the both boring and stressful things is to be in a waiting room somewhere. You know, waiting for a doctor to come out and talk to you, even if it's uh, like whether that's for your pet or for your loved one or someone like that, and you know, I I, I kind of translate that back to thinking about a, a client relationship. And I don't know, I hadn't really thought of it this way before, but the the capacity to sort of sit and wait is difficult, and to and to think, you know, everything's going to be okay. So you know, as a developer, I'm sure sometimes you have to tell clients, now look. Uh, this big portion of the project's coming up. We're going to be building this thing. You're you're not going to you're not going to be able to see it for a while. Uh, you're just going to have to to trust that in a few weeks we're going to deliver this next big piece to you, and then we're going to review it. And I think that maybe you know clients don't want something to be boring because uh, that in essence is a lack of influence or control. And and allowing something to truly be Boring and restful means you have to trust the person who's who's doing the thing that that's putting you in a position to like. Well, I can't do anything right now. I'm, I'm bored. I, I, you know, yeah. I'm I'm uninvolved yeah. in this next thing. And, and you know, if you like you say, if you trust the doctor, then it's just a matter of waiting and keeping yourself occupied. Uh, but if you didn't trust someone, uh, then it's really difficult to make that situation authentically boring. And so I think that that kind of goes back to you know if you're offering something a product be that you know website maintenance or a new piece of software that in essence has sort of sort of boring, uh, yeah I think you do you have to build trust with that that kind of goes back to what we talked about in the last episode about building rapport and relationship, um, and so it's so much more than uh, you know technical prowess is involved with with allowing any sort of work that you do for someone to be boring. I mean, you know, just we've used so many analogies. You know, I want the guy who comes in and fixes my electricity. That had, you know, better be, I don't understand it at all, and that better be boring. <laughs> you know, no sparks or uh, excitement from uh, the wires on my wall.
1: Yeah. <laughs> there there are definitely some foundational things in our lives that we want to be nice and steady and boring. I mean, think about a, a project... Um, you know, like you're, you're going to do a new version of a website and you're going to launch that. It's going to take three months, four, five months to, to build and execute. Um, you don't want to have that phone call halfway through. We had one last week of, okay, well, we had some problems internally. Nothing to do with you, client. Um, we, you know, whatever the case, whatever the circumstances were that caused you to be delayed, you don't want that phone call. That's an unboring phone call. You want the phone call mm-hmm. to be on the standard check-in time, you know, eleven every Friday morning, and yep, we're right on track. Well, we're off by a little bit, but we're going to get back over here. We're going to, you know, we're going to pick up that time over here. It's no problem, no issue. We had a couple of problems over here and had some sparks in the wall, but well, no, no problem. We had a fire extinguisher ready, put that out. We're going to fix that wiring. <laughs> it's not going to be an issue anymore. Well, guide, guidance. You know, I'm taking you where you want to go, Yep. and I know I see it better than you do because I've been there before. And um, you you create that sort of stable, sort of foundational feel. Behind the scenes, there's a lot of gymnastics and a lot of acrobatics that go on to make some of those happen. Um, yeah, but the better we get. So at, tell me, uh, what was? Sorry, go ahead.
0: Oh, I was gonna ask you, uh, what was the role uh, for the people you, you said you interviewed, or, or I guess Eric interviewed some people uh, who were kind of bristled at this idea of boring? What what is their role uh, at their at their company?
1: yeah well it, it was two people I'm thinking about um, I, I mean they I don't think they'd mind me talking about them naming them but I don't have their permission yet so I'll just let them be anonymous. One was a global director of marketing at a at a at a company uh, it's like a device manufacturing sort of a company and they have a global footprint um, and then another was a um, I, th- I think her title is also director of marketing. In both cases, they are the person who is responsible for the website. If the website doesn't perform and bring in money, bring in clients, bring in customers, it, it's their head that rolls. Um, they are the one throat to choke. So the title pretty much director of marketing is a good capture of that.
0: You know, I wonder if you know, this is kind of getting into uh, my realm when I start, you know. I'll start talking about uh, originating behavior and, and sustaining behavior that's part of my personal strategic positioning spectrum, uh, because I see that pattern happen so much. And because uh, I'm, I'm curious, I can't I can really say this definitively or not, I wonder if because of their roles that they spend a space uh, in, uh, in this originating mindset, you know, coming up with uh, something innovative, uh, doing, uh, originating a new thing. That heading back over into a sustaining space where work just kind of gets done, you know, that's a sustaining can seem boring. I don't think that it is. I think that's uh, because creativity is is required for all of this work, whether you're originating a new thing or you're keeping a current thing working well or just iterating on it uh, and improving it incrementally. All of that requires creativity. And I think maybe some people uh, that are especially in marketing think that boring is the opposite of creativity. And I, would, I guess I would take issue with that. And I would say uh, that's not necessarily the case. You know, creativity, it, it, it requires ingenuity and creativity uh, to continue to iterate something so that it's, it's, uh, it keeps pace with the market. I mean, I think about, you know, look at the iPhone. So Steve Jobs was definitely an originator. You know, he did not like to dawdle on things that he had already made. He wanted to move on to the next thing. And so after he passed and Tim Cook took Tim Cook took over, he being a chief uh, operations officer, you know, he went from C O O to C E O. And he just kind of put Apple in a space of of iterating as hey, uh, remember we had that iPhone seven. Yeah. Uh, what about an iPhone eight? It's got a few more features and this and I think they got a lot of flack for that. And quietly during this time that, you know, everyone who was waiting for something exciting to come from them. Yeah. Uh, they became the most highly valued company in the world. yeah yeah, uh, now they can't they can't do that forever, but I mean, they certainly did something right?
1: Yeah, this is um, the the spectrum that you developed that talks about this originating sustaining behavior um, it, it it surfaces over and over again in our conversations. And what you just said reminded me of a, a really good biography I read over the summer about Leonardo da Vinci. Um, so he he's this. He's this master artist, um, but that wasn't really his top priority. I mean, he, he, he was a swell painter, and he made a living that way, um, and he had a studio, and he taught other apprentices uh, the, the trade and the craft and so forth, um, but he, he was an architect and an engineer and a scientist and a, a biologist and all those things that he's famous for. What's interesting about him that surfaced in this biography was that he was – he was an originator. Um, he, the sustaining behavior uh, f- w- faded for him. He, his, his mind was sort of an originating mind, and his sweet spot was in the theater. So he did most of his hmm. work in theatrical productions, uh, You know, big uh, extravaganza-type celebrations for some sort of an event uh, in Milan or Florence or what have you for, for a duke or, or whatever the case may be. And they put on these extravagant shows with feats of engineering that they just tore down after it was over. So he created these incredible machines and contraptions that were just good enough and innovative enough to get the job done for that night or for that weekend or or whatever the, the duration of that event was. And then those things just went away. And so they were taken apart, dismantled and destroyed And history doesn't have those, maybe has sketches in his notebooks, but doesn't have those physical objects because they were always intended to be temporary. Um, And so he, that was a sweet spot for him because he, that's originating behavior and he could just like live Mm -hmm. in that zone and get paid to do it and really push the boundaries of his various disciplines. Um, But in the meantime, you know, he's, he's walking around with the Mona Lisa and he's traveling Everywhere he lived, he kind of carried that poor lady with him and would we'll put a little, you know, little <laughs> dot of paint over here and there's a little perfecting thing. So to what extent that's sustaining behavior, I don't really know. But we definitely have this conflict in my own company. You and I joke about it all the time. Every Monday we get on and I tell you a brand new idea I've had. Oh, let's, let's launch this. Let's build this thing. <laughs> I have all these originating thoughts, but I know that I'm going to kill the company. Uh-huh. I've done it before. If I don't spend most of my time occupying sustaining behavior, originating is allowed once every five years, <laughs> and then the rest of the time you got to sustain, <laughs> it because that's what the customers and clients need. I mean, look at look at Freeform. We did an origination um, event to create Freeform for Craft. We had it on Expression Engine. It was successful there, and now it's sustaining time, and the developer who did that original originating work, he's bored. He wants to do a new originating thing, so we need a sustaining partner now. And this this conflict happens on these websites that we maintain for clients a lot as well. So we see that pattern quite a bit. And you're right, if you create that sustaining, dependable, reliable thing, make that object just do what it's supposed to do in a boring way, then your client, that director of marketing, is able to do their job and answer to their boss and say, "Yep." Last quarter, we conceived of a new campaign and launched it. This coming quarter, we have a new idea building on the old one. It's an original thing. We're going to launch this thing. And all the while, you have this stable foundation created by um, these other groups of people that make sure the thing is properly sustained.
0: Yeah, I think about uh, one of your clients, uh, ProPublica, how much if they had to think a lot about Making sure, even though their website is essentially their business, you know, that that's how they get their publications out there is primarily, I think only probably, like they're only an online publisher. Is that right? That's it. Yeah. And so, uh, but their real work is obviously uh, reporting and investigating and, and crafting the content they put on there. And if they had to you know, really focus on a, a unfortunately interesting to manage website, that's just pulling them away from what their actual Work is so maybe that's the you know, maybe that's the angle that people are, are missing is that you know it's not that you're boring or it's not that working with uh, an agency of some sort should be boring, but you know their work is inherently going to be interesting or not boring or originating, and that if you can do something to make the room feel emptier with the website yeah. in it, then they're in a position uh, to. Focus on the thing that they're probably really responsible for, um, as opposed to, you know, know, I think they don't have a website. uh, If it is where you do business, you know, if you had to think about your leaky roof uh, in your office and the chair always creaked and, you know, uh, the coffee maker never worked and you had to, you know, fire alarm was going off all the time uh, inappropriately, so you had to leave the building, you know, that's, and then you felt like you had to maintain your office space. You couldn't get any work done. (laughs) you know yeah. the same thing if you're having to like spend a lot of time like with your website you can't actually get the work done that you're you're there to do in the first place so I don't know it is it's a tough choice to be able to say like hey we want to make this thing feel boring for you so that the rest of the interesting things you have to do can get your attention
1: yeah i was on a phone call yesterday with a prospective client who's really honestly is probably not going to become a client it didn't go well the reason it didn't go well is i was I was doing what Blairians tells you to do, which is to um, to embrace the conflict in the sales call and challenge the people you're talking to, challenge the assumptions, challenge the direction they're headed in. So this was a prospective client who um, it's a, it's a SaaS, it's a large SaaS company, a pretty successful one, and they have a separate sales website, and that sales website is that's it, that's the that's mm. the pipeline that's the tool that gets customers into the saAS product and when that thing is um, not running reliably they have some problems all the questions they were asking my team they're considering us to do you know do that that good old maintenance retainer uh, care and feeding role on a craft website all the questions they were asking were about well what's your team's level of experience with heroku and what's your team's level of experience with fixing auto-scaling problems when there's a traffic event? Uh, what's your team's level of expertise with blah blah blah? You know, with doing all this cloud architecture stuff. And the reason we won't get the job is because I push so hard on them to this. By the way, this is the the engineering director um, mm. of the SaaS side of the house, who's responsible for making sure a very dynamic web property, the SaaS itself it can auto scale and can handle that sort of volume a static marketing sales website that doesn't belong on auto scaling servers mm-hmm. he, he 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 told me at one point in the conversation really nice guy he told me yeah I want this off my plate I don't want to deal with this anymore I want this to go away I want this on somebody else's desk I got my I got other problems I'm trying to deal with at the engineering level and then he says so do you guys have expertise in Um, this, you know, this auto scaling, blah, 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 blah. I said, well, I mean, yeah, but we don't think you should be bothering with that. And he says, well, the reason we want you to, we want to stay on that architecture is because we have people on the engineering team who can help troubleshoot it if uh, problems occur and you're not available. So we like that sort of fallback. And I said, I thought you just said you wanted to get this off your desk. I thought you wanted to be (laughs) done with this. And so the, the way to make this thing, I didn't say this. Language, I'm translating it for your conversation with me right now. The way to make this sales website boring is to get it off the stupid cloud and get it off these auto scaling servers and how that super expensive uh, engineering architecture you've got going on there. Put the whole thing behind a CDN, run it on a simple VPS web host that's going to be in a dedicated provider with a dedicated support team 24 7. They're going to maintain uptime. Cloudflare is going to handle the load of all the traffic. Make sure all the pages can be statically cached. That's not that hard. And then walk away from it. You, you can sleep at night. So I won't get the job because I'm so opinionated about how you do that thing. Now, that's an innovating, originating, creative act. Mm-hmm. But the objective, the end result is boring. It's invisible. It's the butler who you don't even notice is in the room.
0: Yeah. Yep. And that's, you have to do those. And it's why it's always, you know, for me and talking to my clients, it's always this almost like a pendulum. It's always got at some point it's going to swing back over to having to do a new thing so that you can set it up to be maintained and become the old thing. You know, that's the goal. Yeah. It? And, you know, that client, uh, that's kind of go back to what we talked about earlier, that client uh, essentially didn't want to give up control. You know, that I, Well, it will fall back on us because our folks – folks know how to do that particular type of work. You know, we've built this Rube Goldberg machine of of, you know, a <laughs> ball, roll, ball rolling down and hits the, the yeah. you know, the bowling pin and that causes the balloon to blow up and we know how to fix our Rube Goldberg machine, but we want you to Yeah, we know maintain, how to fix
1: our weird contraption. You know. That's right.
0: Yeah, yeah. So we so we'll, we're going to fall back on that as opposed to saying, "Hey, what if we did something that your team didn't have to bother with?" Well, that's inherently, you know, letting someone else maintain it and trusting you to do it. And uh, it's not uncommon, you know. It's difficult for people on on those on that client side in house to to take something that feels like they've they know they own it. You know, intellectually, they know that they are responsible for it and own it. And to sort of give that up to somebody else, uh, I'm sure that's a it's a tough road to get down. You'll have to find, you know, they'll eventually, if they don't go with you, find someone who's uh, essentially willing to say, uh, yeah, we got people who can do that, and as long as the check comes at the end of the month. Uh, we'll just, we'll just do it that way. And, you know, that's, that's part of the industry is someone being like, yep, we think that's ridiculous, but, uh, we don't care. Uh, we're pretty much in it for the paycheck, you know? And I think that's, that's (laughs) the difference is if you, when you're, when you've got someone who's willing to tell you, I don't know if that's the best way to go. Uh, you know, I'd, you know, I'd really recommend you do it this way. Um, yeah, but you know, that's, uh, for everyone out there who, who listens to this and, and you know Another thing that Blair ends, and I think uh, David Baker would certainly say, is, you know, getting someone, getting to that no is okay sometimes. You know, uh, you don't want to be stuck in a situation where oh, yeah. uh, you you've force the relationship, you know. Uh, so, you know, if, the, if that guy goes his own way, uh, I don't know, maybe bullet dodged.
1: Yeah. Well, I don't know where I heard this. I know it's, it's just a known expression among marketers, uh, among experts in that discipline, but good marketing attracts mm-hmm. and repels at the same time. And, and I think that's, I, I wish I would have heard that 20 years ago. I really could have used that all this time. But that's exactly what this conversation was about. It would have been nice if I had content I, all through the phone, the phone call. I was like, man, I wish I had two or three articles that I could just send this guy to read, about SoulSpace's opinionated point of view on this question. Um, that's the kind of mm. content you and I need to generate, is the content that says, well, SoulSpace really believes strongly that you ought to do this, and all these other things are stupid. They may sound sexy, yep. and it's the hip thing, and it's what everybody's doing, but the old way is perfectly fine. What's the matter with you? Who are you trying to impress, right? So that, that kind of marketing content, I want oh. it to attract and repel. I want it to attract someone who loves innovative, originating, creative thoughts that are practical and sort of mundane with the target of boring, of do a thing so you don't have to ever
0: think yeah, about it again. i say that that concept of attract and simultaneously repel uh, reminds me of a, a blog post I read years ago, uh, and it was, I, I was working on a project that was uh, for an Israeli-Jewish dating site because... Why not? You know, you always end up doing some crazy thing. So it, was a, so it was a dating site for Israeli Jews, and so I had to do a bunch of research into uh, into dating sites, and had to tell my girlfriend, who's now my wife, <laughs> and say, "All right, I got to do a bunch of research on dating sites, so I got to go with, like through the sign up process and immediately cancel my memberships just in case." Yeah, so that was interesting. Oh, but lovely! One of the ones I, I looked at because they did so much work with data. Uh, I don't even know if they're still around anymore. is called OkCupid. And whoever, was, uh, whoever managed that, they were just data yeah. hounds. And so they had a really fascinating blog. And I had one blog that I've remembered all these years later in which they did a test and they admitted uh, immediately, they said, okay, look, we know that the subject matter of this test is distasteful, but just bear with us so we can get to the data part. So they looked at uh, how people were rated on an attractiveness scale, men and women on the site. So I think they had a five point scale. So if they thought you were just gorgeous, perfect, you got a five. If if they felt you were hideous, you got a one. And they looked at it and they said, uh, they noticed the people who got the most contacts, most people reaching out to to try to connect with someone, were people who had uh, around a four. And so the people who had a five were almost exclusively people who just, uh, whoever viewed their profile uh, almost objectively said, this person looks amazing and, and no one can disagree with that. And So they just hovered around that five. And so they looked at the fours, and the fours said, well, uh, they had some people that were fours because almost everyone pretty much rated them a four. You know, and then they mentioned, yes, it's distasteful rating people on a number scale. So almost everyone was rated them a four. Well, those people got far less contacts than the people who ended up with a four rating who, had, who were a mix of five ratings and ones and twos. And so they said, you have to have someone who thinks that you're the greatest while simultaneously have other people who think you're the worst. And that's what's going to get you noticed. Because there's something about you that really draws certain people in. And that same thing is going to repel other people. And they said, these are the people who are the most, if you count that as successful, they're the ones who had the most interactions on that dating site. The people who are hovered around a four who were there only because there was this split between people essentially, you know, having the opposite ends of the spectrum and how they felt about them. I think that's a pretty interesting way to think about your own marketing.
1: <laughs> we used to, I used to get really uptight when I would be on a conference call with people on my team and someone from my team, all of a sudden you hear their <laughs> yeah. dogs barking. Um, and I, and I said, don't you, don't you know we're serving like a Fortune 1000 company <laughs> right. here? And your dogs? How unprofessional can you be? And I used to get up, uptight about it. And then recently we were on a call with um, you know, one of our larger long-term clients. Mm-hmm. And the client's dog barked. And then my developer's <laughs> yeah. dog barked. And then the dogs were barking. Yeah. And everybody was laughing. And that's that's it in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. The attract and repel. You're dog lovers? Oh, now you have tons to talk about. And now you have that in common. And that there's there's a lot kind of baked into that. Oh, you love yeah. uh, you love mountain biking? Well, that says a lot about you. And so I'm no longer up t- uptight about dogs barking because it's a really good filter. You don't like dogs? Well, you can definitely are <laughs> right. not a client for us. Because if you don't like dogs, you're going to have a problem with everybody on the yeah. team. You're not going to get along with anybody. It's good that you know that now before you've mm-hmm. written a check and wasted a bunch of my time. So that... That's a, that's a powerful no. tool. Took 20 yeah, years to get is, there, uh, but we got there.
0: We kind of sp- well, we spun off in a different direction, so. Yeah, well.
1: That's a podcast for you. Um, okay. Well, we should wrap. That's a good solid 30 minutes. Um, and we sort of scratched the surface. You and I have a lot of work to do before we get this podcast and the guests and the interviews to do what I want it to do, which is bring value to those stories. Digital marketing directors who are trying to make websites reliable. I don't know how to get content in here to make that happen, but um, I have faith that it'll, it'll yeah, of, well, come about sure. at some point. But anyway, thank, Scott, take a take a second to, to oh. say what your URL is and how people can find you and contact you, because I'm referring <laughs> you to clients all the time. But we should use this opportunity. Uh, sure. For you to tell uh, the name of my yourself.
0: website is thestrategicweb.com. So it's just those three words all together: the Strategic Web. Uh, and, uh, yeah, that's where you find about me. It's, it's pretty much just me. Uh, I do work with my wife sometimes. She's got uh, 12 years of experience uh, in nonprofit marketing management and uh, mergers and acquisitions, which uh, definitely makes her sound smarter than me because she probably is. Uh, but otherwise, you can kind of read some stuff that I've, I've done on there. Uh, I've got a few videos, and I'd like to have more out. So being on your podcast is now uh, uh, really making me think I should do more do more of my video work. So, uh, yeah, challenge taken.
1: Well, I'm glad you came on and, um, thanks for helping conceive of this whole thing. And we'll, we'll find out who the next guest
0: is pretty soon. Uh, thanks for having me and I look forward to hearing who's next.
1: You've been listening to the soul space podcast.